position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for... Members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number 204 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Uh, being recorded for you on this glorious Saturday, uh, the 22nd of September, 2018. Uh, we have a huge show for you tonight, but first of all, I want Crack Engineer, I want Molina, over there in the whiskey booth. Over there in the, in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign, the whiskey booth. No, the whiskey booth is not in there. It's in here, in the studio. Yes, yes, good good call, I well, you're fired. You made me call it the whiskey booth, you bastard! All right, so cheers. Drink, drink, drink. Good. Mmm. Mmm. Mmm-hmm. Hot damn, there's nothing like the first one of the day. Oh, boy. Ooh, ma. Lordy, 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 loo. All right, so. We have a lot to get through, so let's get straight to our top story, shall we? Now that we've had our whiskey and fired Ivor. See, like, I don't know if it was, like, Mr. Rogers that programmed me. Or maybe it was Click and Clack or Garrison Keeler, Um, or NPR in general that, that, that 
programmed me from a very early age that every show has to have a routine, has to have a setup, it has to have a continuously repeating comfortable thing. This is what is known as fucking format-based programmatic radio. Anyway, so I'm glad that we have these sorts of structures to fall back on. Um, you know, anytime that I feel like, oh god, the show is gonna be such a disaster this week, or like, you know, it's gonna be really bad, or whatever, uh, and I'm dreading recording it for whatever reason. It could be like a game was too good, or it could be the game that I had thought we were going to review, I didn't actually get to beat that week, or it could be um, that a game that was supposed to come out on Friday didn't come out on Friday, or it could just be like, I am not in the mood, or I could be sick. Anyway, it's always nice to be able to fall back on these steady routines. I have every hope, though, uh, and no reason to disbelieve that this week's show is going to be one of our better ones. Um, although, after four years, I mean, you know, not every week are we that consistently good. I'm the first to admit that. But some weeks we hit it out of the park. Some weeks we fucking grind into a double play. Uh, <laughs> but, um... Anyway, enough inside baseball. No pun intended. To, anyway. Oh, hey, actually, no, that wasn't mixing metaphors. Those three, me- that was all fucking bam, 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 all three of those. Okay, so top stories this week. First of all, we have to talk about the distortion effect. This is something that Beardy J and I have noticed. Um, and we've rapped about uh, on Steam Chat. Um, since Proton came around and since I've been exploring Proton, I think this has like been a month now since Proton came out. I fucking love Proton. Everyone loves Proton. If I mean, well, I, I'm sure that there's some people, I'm sure Richard Stallman doesn't love Proton, but that's okay. Um, you know, not into the holy war aspect, although I am a holy warrior. I am an evangelist for Linux. Um, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out in the long run, but in the short run, there's something that I call the distortion effect. And what I mean by that is, as I've said on the podcast before, I think it was last week, we went from 5,000 games being available for Linux on Steam. Well, to give it a bigger historical context, we went from Tux Racer and NetHack um, available for Linux. That was like the first 18 years of my 20 years with Linux. Uh, 21 years now, actually. Oh, God. Mm. So, 18 out of 21 years. Yeah. 19, er, 17 out of 21 years with Linux. We went from NetHack and Tux Racer to 5,000 games in the following three years. Then, with Proton, the available number of games for Linux, and trust me, this is germane to the subject of this week's podcast. Um, and suddenly... With the advent of Proton, we went from 5,000 games being playable on Linux by Steam to 27,000. That is a net gain of 22,000 games. And that's just on Steam. Um, You know, so, like, I mean, because I don't want to mix apples with oranges. I don't want to mix good old game, you know, GOG.com, good old games.com. Or, you know, wine or flat pack or anything else into this. Just keep it straight up steam because that'll help you understand the metrics that we're facing here. So that is a net gain of like 400 percent. No. Yeah. Yeah. 27,000, 5,000, 22,000. That's four. Yeah. 400 percent. 
That is for that means that for every game that we had prior to Proton, we now can theoretically, I mean, and Proton's still in beta, and some games do not work, but I just return them, um, which is great. And Steam is yet to fucking fuck me on. I, I've been returning a lot of games this week. Um, anyway, so the point is, for every one game that we had prior to Proton, we now have four-ish games. That means my workload is increased by 400%. And it increases on all fronts, not just the core um, the core values of the podcast where we're running our checklists constantly. I'm not kidding. Um, that checklist is four years old, and it is an actual fucking checklist. Um, games get added to it. Uh, games get checked off of it um, as they're released, you know, to make Linux. The, the list, if, in case you're a first-time listener, is a list of the games or the workalike games the play-alike games uh, that Linux would need to actually be able to call itself a complete, full-fledged, first-class citizen gaming platform. So my work, my workload is increased by 400%. Literally, it is actually starting to eat into my time in my real life, and um, I'm te- it tastes like burning, I can't sleep at night, I'm tasting metal, and my gums are bleeding! Um... Something is wrong on Saturn 3. My eyes, my eyes, that thing cut me! So, the distortion effect, however, is brutal. Because four years ago when we started doing this podcast, and I can't find episode one, but I think this might be our our one, our one four-year anniversary. I think it might be. I don't know, it's all lost in such the, in the myths of antiquity and blah, blah, blah. That, And I've been so fucking busy that I haven't even... I mean, I tried looking for the first episode to see what day it was released because my naming format is BLGP uh, underscore um, episode uh, XXX underscore. Uh, oh, that's right. For our sequel friend, for our sequel friends, that would make it 2018 09 22. 22nd of September 2018 at 1756 p.m. Pacific Coast time. But anyway, bottom line is. For the last four years, I've gotten used to paying under 40 bucks for almost any game. Because they've all been Linux game, old ports of good games ported to Linux, either by like Feral or whoever, whomever. Um, or they've been independently developed games that have had a Linux based focus and therefore they release with a, you know, like a 10 to $20 price point at most, you know. Mm. Well, now that we've gone from 5,000 to first-class citizenship status in the 27,000 game club, Beardy J and I were talking about how weird it is to try to adjust your mindset to going from paying like almost nothing for video games, a negligible amount for video games. It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I pay for everything that I review. Um, and everything that I play, I pay for it. Unless otherwise noted. Unless someone sends me a fucking key, um, which I will tell you if they have, um, I pay for it. So, now we have to get used to paying full price for fucking, you know, the latest games and shit. Which is such a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a weird leap to make your mind accept. Because it's like, oh, well, and you'll see, this is like, but we'll get we'll talk more about that later on in this episode. It's all germane to this week's episode. Um, 
Oh shit. So I will get fired. Make this bring the service pro back up. Oh god. Oh god. Ah, okay, cool. So our column this week, which is I think done. Um, I have to just give it one more read through and pop it up on the interwebs. Um, is about one of the games that we're featuring this week. It is the tentatively titled The Intro of Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. And it's a fucking blow-by-blow, spoiler-filled recap of the first 20 minutes of Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Um, also, f- finally in our top... St- well, okay, we, we have two more top stories. Uh, next up, I beat No Man's Sky, finally. I, it does not mean I'm not... I, it does not mean that I am done playing it. I, as Omar Khayyam famously wrote, I've served a long apprenticeship to time, but I'm still no master of this world's business. No Man's Sky was breathtaking. If anything, I had neglected the story missions, uh, the, the main story campaigns, I would go for like 15 to 30 hours before I would do another main uh, story arc mission or whatever. Because um, I would just get busy doing other shit and trying to you know get enough fucking units to buy a better spaceship or fucking do whatever quest or just jobbing for the fucking uh, job boards or whatever the fuck, or just exploring and making fundages through scanning shit. Um, mm. So it was with a lot, I was very surprised how many times it took me 20 hours once I decided to focus exclusively on beating the beating the game. Um, it took me 20 hours to beat the game and I was about halfway through when I started. It's the last third of the game that really, really really feels like it takes no time at all but it took 20 hours. Um, for me to do it. I'm sure, like, we could speedrun it and I'm speedrunning it again. But the thing about No Man's Sky that I did not mention in my review... Yes, there are convenience things in No Man's Sky, quality of life improvements that could be made. But they are very few and far between. Chiefly among them would be like the ability to have a button in your inventory that just fucking orders everything by either category or price in the inventory screen. That would be amazing. And maybe even collapses stacks. Or auto-efficiently collapses stacks between yourself and your starship. But anyway, that's a, that, that's that's more complicated. Anyway, that's not what I'm that's not what I want to talk about in terms of No Man's Sky. One thing that was completely omitted from uh, my review of No Man's Sky was how unbelievably breathtaking the story actually ends up being. Um, because No Man's Sky really fools you into thinking that it is really just like this. Endless, infinite, uh, uh, procedurally generated universe that's there for you to explore and conquer and acquire wealth and build really cool bases. The base mechanics, base building mechanics do not get good until far too long in the game, which is, you know, it's kind of depressing because you can build some cool shit, but it's sequentially unlocked, uh, as you, as you, uh, uh, unlock, you use these uh, points, salvage technology points to unlock um, new stuff, and it's it's sequential, which sucks, because you have to unlock so much stuff before you can get to the cuboid rooms, which is where, like, you can really start building cool bases that uh, reflect, not only in form function, but in aesthetic 
in an, an aesthetic sense, what it is you would like to have for your base, uh, which is ridiculous. It should, they, they should, they're, they're never going to change it because, like, they're done. I think that they're done with this game. And I'm, you know, blah, this is the last time I'm probably going to talk about it on the podcast. But the, so they trick you into this thinking that, oh, it's just all about ex- exploration. This is so cool. And it is so fucking cool. And you meet characters who say awesome things. Um, but most of them are throwaway characters that, you know, are just, like, programmatically generated and they have blah. It's weird, though, the variety, 130 hours in, 140 hours in, the sheer amount of variety of shit that people have said to me, it does not get repetitive. It seems like every fucking random encounter is almost, if you're dealing with, um, an NPC, it seems like they all say different shit every fucking time. It's amazing. But anyway, so I knew that the dialogue was good, um, occasionally moving, but I had no idea until I played the last 20 hours of the game and powered through it on the story. I have never cried so many times on the live stream. That's all I have to say. Um, it was amazeballs. It was really, really, really deeply satisfying. Um, if you are about to beat the game for the first time, take my advice. Uh, this is totally spoiler-free. You'll know when you are close to beating the game. You will know. You'll know how close you are, too. Um, more or less. The game does not warn you to do this, though, and you should do this. Before you beat the game, be sure to have three stacks of carbon, one stack of condensed carbon, uh, a stack of cobalt, a portable refiner, uh, two stacks of ferrite dust, uh, a bunch of oxygen, so maybe a stack of oxygen if you can manage to put that together, or some life support gels or whatever, just like a couple, you only need like two. But if you're going to make two, you might as well. I don't know. It depends. Make sure you have um, maybe three technology modules uh, and also I'm forgetting something. Uh, Ferrite dust. Yeah, you want two stacks of ferrite dust. Um, But anyway, get all that shit together in a stack of cobalt. And put that in your exosuit inventory before you beat the game. Otherwise, you might end up, as I almost was, like, fucking stuck forever. And doomed. Doomed, doomed, doomed. I said three stacks of carbon, right? You need that carbon. That carbon is the all-important. It can be carbon or condensed carbon. It doesn't matter. Condensed carbon is actually probably better because, you, you know, those three stacks become one stack of condensed carbon because it's two to one uh, in your exosuit. Um, so do that. Just remember that. It was, I highly recommend, I mean, it it double, it double almost doubles the power of my endorsement of uh, No Man's Sky earning our best and highest honor. Uh, the all, all full price, all day, any day, all week, all month, all lifetime endorsement of yes, No Man's Sky is totally fucking worth it. If anything, I am agog at how how much I have not discovered yet after 140 hours of gameplay. So that's pretty good. Alright, so up next is our feature, which I've already just based them with it, and I'll explain it on the back end. The ship's computer is now ready. Please wait while I initialize systems. Good day, Captain. Uh-huh. 
epic! Oh. My. God. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's teacher. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The so, our feature this week is called Now Playing on Linux. Um, and these are a bunch of Proton games that you uh, should play. There's something for everyone on this list. Um, these are all games that are not, that don't have official uh, Linux ports yet, but which run great on Linux, with one exception uh, on the list. Um, and, the, and, uh, Going back to what we were talking about when we started uh, the the show a thousand years ago, no, uh, 27, 21 minutes ago, um, many of these games are very expensive. You can uh, get the whole fucking list from the uh, show blurb, either in the Steam announcement or on the uh, SoundCloud page or on the uh, or on the uh page for this episode. But anyway, we'll start with two. Doom, well, with Tomb, well, um, we start with two id reboots of classic series. These two games, well, three actually, I guess, so I guess they're not grouped in pairs, but anyway, first off, we have Doom, the uh, remake from a couple of years ago, I think it was last year or the year before. Even with a 1050 Ti, as according to uh, Jeff Jeffy Wise, Doom runs fantastically on Linux via. Well, he doesn't run it via Proton, but I run it via Proton. I have a 1080 Ti, and I'm uh, I've been playing these games on a uh, Mint 18.3 box. So there you go. Those are the stats. Doom is fucking amazing. Doom is it'll run you 20 bucks. It's one of the cheaper titles on this list. Um, literally, I spent a lot of money this fucking week on video games. I spent, like, $400 on video games this week. Which is a lot of fucking money. Um, and it, I actually turned down a job this week. You know, short turnaround job. Because I have to do the podcast, because now I have so many fucking games that must be played. Um, Doom is fucking amazing. It is exactly faithful to the original. It's like a hybrid of Doom and Doom 2. They don't let the story get in the way at all. It is a constant frag fest in which you will just murder. Bloody gore. Fucking carnage. Absolute insane madness. I fell in love with this game when the, the chiefly among the among the principal innovations in Doom is somewhat similar to what they uh did with um the reboot of Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein uh Wolfenstein the New Order. Um, Wolfenstein, the new order has a, a, a stealth mechanic to it that is really great and profound and changes the entire complexity and complexion of the game. Doom does not have a stealth mechanic, but it does have this mechanic where if you shoot someone and it hurts them enough, they are like staggered and they'll glow blue or orange. Either way, you press the finisher button and you grab them and you do something absolutely horrible to them. Like ripping their head in half by grabbing the 
upper part of their jaw and their like mandible and like a zipper um, or ripping off someone's arm, beating them to death with it. There are many, 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 many of there's a vast variety of these types of animations. And uh, they are all horrifying. And they they vary uh, also according uh, to the species of demon that you're killing. Um, all of the classics are there. The imps are recognizable as imps, even though it's been 25 fucking years since I've seen an imp. And now they're in like fucking real 3D. They're not just two-dimensional sprites. It is awesome. So what this means is that, it, like, okay, so... In the, this is not a, not spoiling anything. This is like in the first fucking four seconds of the game. Um, you're in the facility. You're on Mars now instead of Phobos, but I won't tell you anything about the story. The story is, you know, almost is not only secondary. It's like fucking tertiary. It is not even on the map in terms of what you care about in terms of Doom. Um, there are three guys who are coming at you in a small hallway. They're about uh, three meters away from you. They're zombies. They're, you know, just... Bleh. So you pull out your pistol instead of your shotgun. You shoot the first guy. You know, you miss his head. If you sh- The pistol is also a sniper rifle, which is really cool. It has unlimited ammo. You, you miss him, but it does stagger him. You hit him in the upper chest. You press the magic button. You grab him and break his neck. Then the next guy is like half of... About a meter behind him, with the other guy being a half meter behind that guy. Uh, you you shoot that guy, you instantly are upon him, you rip off his arm and beat him to death with it. Uh, third guy, you ta- you shoot him, you tackle him, and punch his face into the ground, and his head explodes. I'm not even sure if that's actually in this game, but it doesn't matter. That is, I've done way worse things than that in this game. All of that took under five seconds. That is the type of pacing and the level of gore and abject violence and horror and it's not it's not a scary game because you are the ultimate badass space marine. Um, otherwise, it would be very scary. There are moments that startle you a little bit, but it it doesn't matter. It's it all you you become quickly a nerd to all of the uh, any pussy scary aspects, and that's coming from the world's biggest pussy. I cannot stand scary games. So if you miss the glory days of Doom and Doom Two. It's amazing to play Doom with like all the levels of sophistication now. It's not a total remake of the original games. Although, each level, there is a secret in each level that unlocks one of the original levels in Doom remade in this new engine. It's amazing. Um, but it's really cool to... It's really mind-blowing to play a game that feels authentically exactly like Doom. Looks, feels, tastes, smells, touches, plays exactly like Doom looks a thousand trillion times better, like, beyond, you know, your wildest dreams. Mm. I was 13 when I was playing Doom. Um, I think I was 13. 13 or... Four, yeah, because I was 14... No, I, maybe I was 12 when I was playing Doom, because I was, like, 14, 13, 13 and a half, 14 years old when I was playing Doom 2. But anyway, bottom line is, uh, it's amazing to play a game that is recognizable as being Doom. Like, you could show this to me I'd say, wait a minute, is this Doom? If you showed me 15 minutes of it, didn't tell me what game it was, I probably would have guessed eventually. I'm like, wait a minute, is this is this Doom? Just from the looks of it, you know, not even knowing anything about the game industry. But it's really amazing to to see the Space Marine. You're no longer, well, I won't I won't tell you anything. Uh 
But to now be able to run and jump, and jump, legitimately jump, not just have to, like, run from high ledge to <laughs> slightly lower. Um, so that's really cool. But also being able to ledge grab. These mechanics were great. They work fl flawlessly, actually. Um, so it's almost like you... So it, it's almost like you don't even notice that they're there, which is really cool and keeps you grounded in the experience. So Doom's 20 bucks. Up next, we have Wolfenstein, uh, The New Order, which is the sequel, which is the remake and reboot of the uh, franchise from, I don't know, I, I had it when I had an Xbox One. I, I, I highly recommended that game uh, back then. I, have, I gifted it to Beardy J because he said he had a bit of a cold. And so, that Beardy J runs Linux, uh, and he has a 1050Ti too. So it was covertly me seeing how well the game stood up on Linux without me having to buy it for myself. So it was two birds with one stone. I was using Beardy J. He'll listen to this and and he'll be offended, but I was using Beardy J the whole time. It was all part of my evil plan. Um, he came back. He beat it. He's it's twenty for my money. I never beat the game, by the way. I got to the last boss, and I couldn't beat him. I spent, like, five hours trying to beat that guy, and I just couldn't do it, and blah. But it was 20 hours of perfect gameplay uh, for me. Beardy J also said it ran great, and he he really liked it. Um, I know the game. I just hadn't played it on Linux. So that freed me up. Uh, Wolfenstein, The New Order. Uh, yeah, The New Order is uh, $19.99. That opened me up to get Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, which came out, like, I think last year. Um, do not pay attention to the reviews of Wolfenstein to The New Colossus. I haven't beaten it yet, but I am, like, <coughs> a few hours into it, like, eight hours into it, thereabouts. Um, I think I, 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 I'm having some problems with uh, Audacity because Ivor is busy over there in the corner uh, trying to cram his head into it's a toaster oven Ivor it's not gonna work you're still fired nice try you moron um I spent about eight hours in Wolfenstein 2 um which is a way darker game even than Wolfenstein the new order um it has one of the darkest intros ever read the column if you want to know about how dark the intro is um, because that's all it is. It's just a recounting of the fucking intro after skipping the part where it shows you everything that happened in the last game that you did as Blaskowitz. Uh, William. Oh, shit. I forgot what the J stood for. Anyway, BJ Blaskowitz. William J. Blaskowitz. Um, it was amazing. Like, the introduction itself was just fucking amazing and so dark. The gameplay is everything that you would expect from the previous game. Like I was mentioning earlier, the stealth elements, the pervasive stealth elements, where you are actually given like a free-form kind of hunt and kill challenge to destroy generals in every, or, you know, commanders in every area before they notify each other and then call for reinforcements. Which means you have to like you have all of these weapons, and you get them all very early in Wolfenstein uh, 2, the new Colossus. Um, 
So you have like an infinite variety of ways in which to kill everybody, but it's better if you do it quietly with your melee attacks um, and your sneaking finishers, which are all animated to be absolutely horrifying blood gore fests of epic proportion. But forgetting like the gore factor of Wolfenstein and Wolfenstein 2, both of which are just incredibly disturbing games, um, Wolfenstein 2 is uh, 60 bucks, by the way, $59.99. The stealth mechanics in both of them really make what a franchise it would be impossible to do a reboot with today's level of sophistication and make it actually fun to play without. Like, if you omitted the stealth mechanic, both of these games would probably not... Well, I know for a fact would not be anywhere near as good or as satisfying or as brutal as they are. Just the same, these, unlike Doom, are focused almost entirely on the story, and it is a great story. It's a fucked up story. It's an alternative history take on what if the Nazis won the war. It takes place in the early 1960s in America. Um, which... One note about Wolfenstein 2. Um, we're almost half, we're we're a little bit uh running a little bit uh behind schedule, but we're almost done because I I don't have a huge list here. And there's not a lot of stuff that I want to say about the other games. But one thing I will add about Wolfenstein 2, for all of the bleak fucking uh counterfactual alternative history, Nazi stained America, fucking, you know, man in the high castle bullshit. <coughs> Wolfenstein 2 and this is just I don't know this is this is just something funny I noticed it seems to imply that in spite of all of this the one constant between the future as seen in 1960 you know whatever the one constant between that timeline that alternate history timeline and like actually what happened in our reality in real life uh is that Helvetica exists in both Helvetica the font exists in both in both of those universes? <laughs> That's what they use for the the menu in Doom Two or in Wolfenstein Two, which is hilarious. Um, That's a good documentary too, by the way. Not at all related to video games, but if you're a typesetter or you have any interest in topography or uh, are a calligrapher, uh, check out Helvetica. It's a good documentary. Um, okay, so up next is Scum. S-C-U-M. Scum is also... Oh, shit, where did I put my notes? Oh, God. Ivar! Simon! Theodore! Scum, with the supporter pack bundle, is $28.48. Um, Scum is a demi-isometric third-person survival craft em up game with zombies and MMORPG uh, elements. It's... Um, there's no base build. It's more like... Scum is more like the calling than it is like an, a traditional MMORPG, but I've only played it in single player because some servers, you have to create a, a new character for every server that you go on right now because it's still in early access. Um, so when you're learning the game and just getting your feet wet, it's best to do a single player game um, because character creation can take a minute or so. It can take like, you know, maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. Um... Scum has famously sold one million units since it uh, came out in early access in one month. So it's like kind of like the next arc 
But you're like a convict, and you're sent to this penal colony where you have to kill everything, and it's infested with zombies, other players who are not very nice, and um, it is an insanely finely detailed, high definition, uh, high fidelity look at the craft them up survival genre. Um, I played like a couple of hours. I've killed a couple of zombies. I know how to craft a spear and shit. Uh, but inventory management is crucial in this game. Um, but it sold one million copies already. So if you left out of like the fun that your friends are having, like your Windows friends might be having, Scum runs a okay on Linux. Um, so these two, Scum and the next title, are in the brand newest of the new. Which leads us to the one title on this list which doesn't actually run super well. It needs some work, but that would be Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, we, ra- we read the tomes, we read the tombs. No, no, we raid the tomb. Sorry, 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 sorry. We, we, we raid the, the, we raid, we read the tomes to raid the tombs. The Shadow of the, to- Shadow of the Tomb Raider, yes, the Tomb Raider, uh, came out last week uh, on the 14th. I got it that day. I didn't manage to actually playtest it until this week. Um, it has some problems because it either runs in the highest graphic setting almost fine or in the lowest graphic setting almost fine. But there's still moments where it just gets... It, it, it actually has performance problems. And I don't know why it is because the benchmarking... Uh, in the game is much better than in uh, the the first re- the first reboot. But anyway, uh, so and it's, I should I, I meet the system specs. I got a 1080 Ti, um, but I don't know if it's a combination of uh, I think it's just Proton being in beta and this game being brand new. But if you are desperate to play it, I, I think I've I played about uh, two hours of it. Um, it will work if you're desperate to play it. Um, and it looks great. I mean, it. I can't wait until it runs uh, a little better, a little smoother, just throughout. Because um, there, there are, like I said, there are performance problems. Shadow of the Tomb Raider is also sixty bucks, fifty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Um, so now we go to three classics that I've always wanted to have the ability to play again, especially to be able to play it again on Linux. Because if it runs on Linux, then I'm going to be able to probably play it for forever. Um, even though, you know, it's Steam, so they own the actual... It's not like I have... If Steam goes away, then, you know, it's the end of my world. But at this point, that's where we are. Um, you know, I'd have to go back to good old games. But thank you, Valve and Steam, for open sourcing fucking Proton. Because then good old games can fucking use it. You know, blah, 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 blah. And that's... We're talking... Yeah, we're talking, like, a long time from now. Um... Because Valve ain't going anywhere. Like, it will take a calamity to erase Valve. So, these th- next three games, and th- then we're done with this week's episode. I gotta watch Joe Jokemon Kendall's uh, live stream of uh, live from the Maidenbauer uh, out there in Seattle. Out there in ye old Seattle land. Seattleites. <laughs> the Seattleites. The Seattleites of love. So, I bought a license for Mirror's Edge uh, for uh, Windows about two years ago, I want to say, through Steam, knowing that I would never play it. Uh, a while ago, about maybe a year ago, I tried to do some live streaming of what it looks like when you uh, stream 
via Steam Play from a Windows machine on your local area network. And it was underwhelming um, in terms of Mirror's Edge. Some games work better at that than others. Um, But the machine that it was streaming from sucks. It's my studio machine. It's not set up to play video games. It's set up to fucking record music. Um, that and that's the only machine in this house that runs Windows other than my Surface Pro Four. I'm recording this, of course, obviously on the Beast, the the monster, my multi monitor, fucking insane machine that I built. Um, but Mirror's Edge, the greatest parkour game ever made, in my humble opinion. I never got to play the sequel because I never owned a PlayStation Four, but Mirror's Edge which is, uh, let's see, uh, $19.99, still, it's an old game, it's an old, old game, maybe 10 years old, 8 years old, <coughs> an amazing game, and a vastly underrated title, um, I've beaten it several times, I finally fired it up last night, because I, I remembered, oh wait, I have Proton now, let's see if Mirror's Edge runs, oh fuck yeah, it does, Mirror's Edge runs flawlessly, it is a maze balls. So, you can check out the live stream this weekend, uh, starting later tonight, um, to either watch me live stream it, or to, uh, check out video on demand, the VODs, as the kids say, uh, of me playing it. I have to remember how to play it, though. It's been a lot of years. Um, <coughs> I got effortlessly halfway through the tutorial because that was what I played a year ago again. Um, But yeah, I can't recommend Mirror's Edge enough to enough people uh, because no one played that game when it came out. I remember uh, Rumi, I had a roommate uh, or housemate at the time um, for about five or six years. Uh, He came home and he came home like really late. Usually, I I think I've mentioned this on the podcast because he worked as a... uh, Stagehand, lighting tech, and uh, theater tech, just generally. Uh, sound, lights, etc. So he would get off at like, you know, 2 in the morning. I'm still there playing the fucking game, drunk out of my mind. I'm like, Joe, you gotta see this. This is Webster, Joe Webb. Um, Webster, you gotta see this. And I showed him, and he's like, I'm like, Joe, is this... I've been playing it for like 10 hours at that point. I, like, I started at noon, and or started at like, you know, fucking whenever. I'm like, is this is this as good as I think it is? Because no one liked that game when it came out. Uh, but if you gave it a chance, then you know what an unbelievable game it was. It's not without its shortcomings. Its weapon system is a little fucking stupid. But uh, the parkour action is just incredible. Um, so that's Mirror's Edge. Then an old, old favorite. So I, 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 I did the Mirror's Edge thing, and then I was talking again to Beardy J yesterday. And we were talking about role-playing games because he was playing uh, a role-playing game that I hadn't played. I couldn't even remember the girlfriend I had who I was trading the controller back and forth with on it. And Alarum. I can't remember the name of the game, uh, but it's Alarum. It's the Alarum game that came out for the Xbox 360. Uh, It's it's an RPG. I really liked uh, Alarum. I didn't beat it, but I got like fucking 30 hours in or something like that, if if memory serves. So I was excited to see him being able to play a game that old. And that gave me an idea. What about my favorite straight-up hardcore role-playing game uh, that I spent a lot of time with over the last decade? And by role-playing game, I mean third-person role-playing game. 
you know, and there's a short list there. This is this is not my all-time favorite role-playing game, but it is one of my all-time favorite role-playing games, easily in the top five, and that would be Dragon Age or Origins. So I, I looked it up uh, in the Steam client. It is Dragon Age Origins, the basic package, which is what I got because they sell another one that's uh, the ultimate package. That's $10 more. Dragon Age Origins, which is an old game. It looks great. It plays great. It's $19.99. And I went with the the one the, the one that's $10 more, the uh, ultimate pack or whatever, has nine DLCs and everything else they ever made for the game included in it. So if you've already beaten Dragon Age Orange, uh, or, Oranges? Or, origins. More whiskey. That's it. That's Jesus Christ. What's wrong with me? Ooh. So if you beat in Dragon Age or Origins, see that even that was better, and the whiskey just went into my belly right there. Um, it's already like a marked improvement. Dragon Age Origins. If you already beat it, but that was like forever ago, and you and you like myself have, I never beat the, I never beat Dragon Age Origins. Um, but I got very fucking far into the game. The corruption had spread tremendously uh, by the time I, I, I stopped playing it uh, which was not by choice it was just by um, I got really bit. I, I remember what happened I started working on the Death Star actually back then that was actually the codename for the project still is the codename for the project the Death Star but anyway so it's been like 10 fucking years let's see let's find out sorry if, there, if there's been clicking or uh, poor recording on this, I blame Ivor uh, for this episode. Uh, we've been having some technical problems uh, due to our mic stand and the way... Our, yeah, anyway. A new one is coming. Mm. Let's see. Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> Dragon Age Origins, by the way, uh, is the first game in the Dragon Age you know, blah. It I I I I created a new character last night. It took me an hour to create my new character, um, just because I love fucking with uh, the facial modeling tools that they they give you. Um, yeah, everyone fucking loved. It. I wonder what the Metacritic score. Ninety one is the Metacritic score for Dragon Age Orig- Origins, and this game was released. 10 years ago, November 6, 2009. So roughly nine years ago to the, almost to the day, almost to the month. Or, yeah, like if you interpose the months. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen a game that's like over nine years, over five years old that has a Metacritic score of 91. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to take a moment because we only have one more game after Dragon Age Origins. And I'm going to tell you one thing about Dragon Age Origins that I really loved from back in the day. Um, but, uh, the thing about, so I remember when Raw Tomatoes came out and I wasn't working as a data, I, I was not a computer scientist, scientist yet. I was someone who fucked around with computers a lot, uh, and who was like a system administrator and, you know, I was the guy that, you know, small businesses would call when they couldn't get shit to work, you know, blah, 
Um, but it was nowhere near in the capacity that that uh, I spent the last, you know, more. Anyway, bottom line is when Rotten Tomatoes came out, or when I started seeing that IMDb was aggregating reviews from their reviewers to come up with a combined score from the total straw, you know, not straw poll, but like a one to five stars kind of thing. I had an epiphany. This is a long time ago that that kind of system does not fucking work because it skews towards idiots. It skews toward, I mean, and I'm not saying that your average person is a fucking moron, but I am saying that people who either love, who, people who are uninformed or are approached with something that is beyond, it's out of their depth in terms of their ability to understand are more likely to be upset and dislike that thing vehemently to the point where they will, you know, fucking file a review or whatever, and it'll be a great review. Look at, uh, there's a, there used to be this show on NPR uh, called, um, can't remember, but the bottom line of it was they used to read sometimes every, at least once a month, there's a once weekly show. Um, why can't I remember the name of this show? It was John Moe who hosted it. It wasn't Weekend America. I love that show. That was a good show. Anyway, but they, they used to read one-star reviews from Amazon of all-time classic, favorite, indisputably the best of uh, Western culture. It's like one-star reviews for To Kill a Mockingbird, one-star reviews for Moby Dick, one-star reviews for um, Citizen Kane, one-star review, you know. Anyway, so that right there kind of proves that point. But then if you aggregate those with all of the highly intelligent and informed reviews or just the average reviewer's review, that denigrates the Because there will be more people who are pissed off about something than there will be average viewers of something. Like, you know, that, that maybe just didn't like it, had a bit of a critical perspective that was probably good. Like, you know, the kind of people that you meet and talk to in bars and stuff, like me, you know, people like us and then there's like you know the hoity-toity whitey-tighty intellectual fucking crowd who's like well no you don't understand that this is such a fucking masterwork why we you reflect before it but I've seen fucking the professional doesn't have a 91 fucking anyway so the fact that Dragon Age after almost 10 years 91 is its Metacritic score that is really rare um, and of course the reviews Recent reviews, very positive, 144. All-time reviews, very positive, 5,220. This game came out November 6, 2009, so that is to be expected because this was a console game, not necessarily a computer game. Steam was not what it has become now, back then. So one other thing about Dragon Age Origins, and then we'll we'll, we'll get to our last game, and <coughs> that'll be a wrap. Mm. My favorite thing about Dragon Age Origins, well, two favorite things, is that it doesn't pressure you into um, making binary uh, choices, making binary decisions in dialogue trees or elsewhere. Every choice you make is ambiguous, and every choice you make has fucking tremendous effects. The way your party views you, your reputation within your own party and your reputation with individual members of your own party 
are affected by the decisions you make, the choices you make, whose advice you choose to listen to, which species or race of or class or whatever um, members of your party you choose to listen to. It also has the best addressing of magic. It is almost a mythological approach, like a Merlin approach to magic. Magic is not a good thing in this game. And when you get your mage, you get your mage, and she's awesome. And the dragon fights are incredible. They're not like Skyrim. And the game is old, but doesn't show uh it doesn't show its age. My second favorite thing about Dragon Age, and I hate that this is like a blood and gore episode of, you know, don't don't take don't get me the wrong way. Like sometimes I want gore. Like sometimes I want to blow the faces off of everyone in a video game, like Painkiller or Doom, which really scratches that itch. I'm almost overdosing on this stuff now because I got Doom on the one hand and then I got Wolfenstein 2 on the other. And so it's like, ah, I'm pinballing between them. But uh, Dragon Age Origins had an interesting mechanic. So you would, like, you know, fast travel to a town or whatever, and uh, you're in this town, and you get ambushed by corrupted or whatever, in the town. This happens all the time. I'm not spoiling anything for you. And so you guys fight the corrupted, or you guys fight the soldiers, or you guys fight whoever the fuck. This is a swords and armor style game. It's almost like in a Tolkien-esque universe, but without any of the Hobbit singing or any of the fucking endless... Oh, Jesus. Anyway. And it's a fully realized world. I mean, it is amazing. It seems small the first, you know, I think maybe 20 hours. But then you get the world map and you're like, oh my god. Wow. This game is just fucking nuts. And by then you're balls deep into the plot and it sucks you in and the combat and the... it's in, It was innovative for then. It still is innovative for now. Because it's a third... It's demi-isometric third-person role-playing game, party-based. Uh, with, you know, you can pause independently and issue orders to your people, kind of like uh, Pillars of Eternity if you've ever played that. So these these guys ambush you in the town where you're supposed to go talk to somebody or whatever. You just want to check out the town or the city or whatever. And uh, you murder them all. And then I'm, 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 I'm trying to structure this correctly so you understand it right. So you win. You loot all the corpses. You uh, go to the tavern and you talk to someone and you see in close-up your face, which is covered in fucking gore, ichor, and blood. Your armor is covered in gore, ichor, and blood. I can't remember when it washes you off, or if you had to do it manually, or maybe if you rested someplace, you got clean again. But until you get clean again, you get covered in more blood, ichor, and gore. You look like a fucking insane butcher. And I always play uh, chicks in role-playing games. Uh, I don't know when that started, but um, I think maybe with Saints Row 4? No, but I think it might have been with Dragon Age that I started playing exclusively as chicks. Because it's just like I, I, it's more fun to not be a dude. I, I already know what it is to be a dude. Like, I want to see what the game acts like as a chick. Um, and as a badass fucking hardcore chick. Game lets you become whatever it is you want. You'll become things that you don't think you are. Um, but seeing just the gore, like if you go into a like a a big 
uh, the game is not procedurally generated. I mean, it's an old school role playing game. So the environments are, you know, 3D. They're they're very very pretty. They hold up pretty well. The characters and the uh, the quality of the character uh, models holds up extraordinarily well. The animations are fantastic. The combat system is excellent. Um, but like, so if you go into like a dungeon where it's gonna be like maybe two hours before, you, and you have to kill your way through it, you come out red to toe. It is fucking gruesome, and. The, the way the blood gets applied is never the same way. I know this sounds like such a weird thing to focus on, but it is so disturbing. And it's great because it makes the game seem as violent as the if the game actually happened would actually be in real life. It just adds another layer of immersion. That and the ability to talk to all of your party members almost at any given time while making decisions and figuring out what to do next um, and then earning their favor and earning their loyalty, earning like and their respect. Actually, it's not loyalty; it's respect. Um, is crucial, and that will unlock other things for you. Uh, depending other avenues of pursuit uh, through the game, it is a, an amazing game. It's a game truly with a, a tree, a, 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 um, a quest tree and decision tree so complex that it looks like the autumn branches of fucking New Hampshire. I've never been to New Hampshire, but I'm sure I've seen pictures so I don't need to have gone there. So finally, our last game in our last three minutes of this episode, we'll go like one hour and ten minutes, is Nidhogg. N-I-D-H-O-G-G. Now this game I almost wanted to exclude from this podcast because I wanted to play Nidhogg since it came out forever ago. I can't remember when it came out. Let's, oh my god, Nidhogg. No, God, this is not working. Nidhogg. Steam. N-I-D-H-O-G-G, which is $9.99. Oh, yeah, and so one one last thing about Dragon Age uh, Origins. I didn't want to get the new one because I wanted the full nostalgia experience and nine different DLCs all at once after 10 years of not playing the game will completely change the game, I'm pretty sure. And I wasn't, I wanted to just finally beat the game that I, I never got to beat before. But okay, so Nidhogg, N-I-D-H-O-G-G, $9.99. Um, this came out in 2014, January 13th of 2014. This is, if you ever played the Apple IIe game Swashbuckler, which is fucked up because I almost excluded this game from this week's episode out of pure fucking pride and spite because I wanted to play Nidhogg since ugh, since this podcast started and in fact I've been working on a game that is somewhat similar to Nidhogg meaning that it is actually like a revamp of Swashbuckler anyway Nidhogg is a side-scrolling pixelated uh, arena style acrobatic stick figure-esque um, Apple IIe style uh, Neo Pixel Trash fencing game that is one of the best. Uh, it is fantastic. You have high, low, medium. You have numerous mechanics. You can throw your sword into the faces of other guys. It's like Karataka updated with swords. Nidhogg runs great via Proton. Um, and keep your eyes peeled for my game, The Swashbuckler, which will be out in about a year. 
uh, I've been working on it for two years now. I've not had the ability to find, I've not had any luck at finding anyone who can make uh, modern materials and textures for me, which is something that I don't have the time training, nor do I have the inclination to really learn how to do, but I might have to do it. I have money, too. I've been, I've, I look every three months, four months for someone to work with me on this, and I, I will pay them. Um, and I'll give them credit, too. Uh, so if any of you know someone who's, like, really expert in, um, oh, God, 3D coat, or even just, uh, making, you know, modern material, like, you know, we're talking, like, uh, texture shader, um, and, uh, service properties, you know, uh, shaders and filters or whatever, um, for 3D games, who can kick out a bunch of simple ones? Because this is a... It, my game is also a side-scrolling game, but it's in 3D because there are... There's background and foreground, and I can't model in 2D. I can model in 3D. I can model, rig, and animate in 3D. I can't do it in 2D. Because um, I'm not a digital artist. I'm, I'm more of an animator. Uh, but anyway, Nidhogg makes me jealous that it fucking came out four years ago, five years ago, and it's awesome. I think you can get both Nidhogg and Nidhogg 2, which is what I did for $16.99. Um, or no, 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 no. Anyway, it's $9.99. Check out Nidhogg if you want to play that. That one runs great on Linux. So to recap real fast, we had Doom, Wolfenstein, uh, the New Order, which is the first reboot of the Wolfenstein series. Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Then we had Scum. Uh, then we had Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, then we had Mirror's Edge, Dragon Age Origins, and Nidhogg and Nidhogg 2. And that's N-I-D-H-O-G-G. -G. Alright, cheers. Check out the column, www.bestlinuxgames.com. Home of the Best Linux Games column. Just go to the website and click on the uh, carefully hidden link at the very top that says column, and that will take you there. This week will be a spoiler-filled re recanting of um, the introduction to Wolfenstein to the new Colossus. Uh, so if you don't want any spoilers, just go buy the fucking game. Um, be sure to check out our Discord experiment. The link to that is in the show blurb uh, on every, every possible way that you can find this uh, podcast. Um, except by Podcatcher. So go to the website, blah. Um, and be sure to join us live. I'm live on Twitch at least three times every day. www.twitch.tv slash skookiesprite. S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E. That'll do us. Cheers. Thanks. I'm going to go watch uh, Joe Jokemon Kendall's uh, fucking OBS presentation from live from the Maiden Hour in Seattle land. Thank you for listening. I will catch you next week. And man, isn't it great? Isn't it great? I mean, like, the whole world is falling apart, but at least we got Linux games pretty much right on. Um, think about it. That's seven... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's almost ten games. I, it's like, I can't keep up this pace, by the way, though. Like, just monetarily, it's too expensive. Anyway, I love it. And I love you, too, buddy! I love you for listening, man! Now we take you back to Gentry's Gen. Thank you. Good to next week. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, <laughs>
program of music is being brought to you the courtesy of Gentry's Gin, the ideal drink. Always have a bottle of Gentry's Gin on hand for the party you're planning. As you pour it out, listen to it gurgle. Down the hatch. Mm. No after effect. <laughs> no sour stomach. That's Gentry's Gin, the ideal drink. And now... <laughs> a little more music with the fellas in my trumpet, okay? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our program music is being brought to the courtesy of Gentry's Gin, the ideal mink. A uh, uh, gay. Uh, uh, no drink. <laughs> Always have a party uh, for the party you're planning a bottle of Gentry's Gin. Pour it out. Listen to it. Uh, listen to it gurgle. Now <laughs> the head. No solid stomach. <laughs> no stomach. And that's Gentry's Gin. And now, fellas, what do you think? We play a little bit more of that hot jazz. Huh? What do you say? <laughs> Listen to me. The program music is being brought to the judge's gin. What a pretty good stuff. Pour it out. Listen to it gargle. Put it in my ear. Down the hatch. And now I think I want to hear some more of that jazzy stuff again. Okay, right? The best damn drink you ever had around the house, Pour it out down the hat. And that, hey, that's good stuff. And now, I'm it up. And now, the hell with the music. I'm going to get drunk. That's what I'm going to do. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada e. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com.
to subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.